Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. All right. Um, you know, my, my son, Nathan, has met a young lady, and he is getting to know her, or you could even say he is pursuing her. This is not him, by the way, but this is... <laughs> Um, he, you could say that he is, is pursuing her. Here's what he's not doing as he is seeking to get to know her. He's not like spending time reading her social media profiles. He didn't ask her for a copy of her transcript, you know, from high school. He, he's actually spending time with her. And that there, there is some amount of effort involved in that because... He, he met her online, and she lives six hours away. And so he drives, he's driven several times now to, to spend time with her. Six, you know, so that, that is some commitment. That is some, some effort. And I have been reflecting on how much effort do I go to, like investing in the people who are closest to me. You know, the, the typical pattern for a man who is, is pursuing a woman is to, is to pursue and then you kind of catch and then you get lazy. Just kind of like, well, you know, been there, done that. And, and that can happen really in any of, of our relationships. And that's why I, I love what happened at the last fuel. So we just talked about the next fuel, but at the last fuel, the whole topic was, was table talk, and it was how to turn your, your dinner time into significant time to get to know your, your kids, and not just table time, but also just other times, you know, just spending fun times. How do you, how do you really invest in them? I want to give you one of the questions. We, we got these uh, uh, lists of questions to use there at the dinner table, and I'll just give you one example. Whenever you're having a bad day, what is the best thing you can do to help cheer yourself up? I thought, what a, what a great question to like kind of dig into someone else's heart and mind. What is it that, that cheers, cheers you up? So all of this kind of raises the question, how are we doing in pursuing a relationship with the Lord? I mean, how intentional are we? How much effort are we putting into it? Or have we, have we gotten lazy in that? If you were here last week, I told you that I've been spending some time meditating on Psalm 16. And near the end of Psalm 16, it says, it's a prayer. It says, God, in your presence is fullness of joy fullness of joy. So it's not just like we're kind of getting a sprinkling. It's not even just like we're getting half full. It's like, God, in your presence with you is fullness of joy. 
So how do we know God like that? And what is at stake if we don't? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. If you would take a Bible and turn with me to Hosea chapter 6. If you happen to be new with us here this morning, welcome, and you are coming into the middle of a series as we are studying through the the book of Hosea, and grab a Bible there. If you're new, grab a Bible on the seat near you, and Hosea 6 is on page 840. We just kind of work our way through the text, and it's really helpful for you if you have it in front of you. So just an overview of the book of Hosea, where we've come from so far. The first three chapters of of Hosea are this living object lesson where God commands Hosea to, to go and marry a wife who is a prostitute. And so that picture, that living object lesson becomes a picture of the nation of Israel and their relationship with the Lord because they're, they're not being true to, to the one God. They are going off and prostituting themselves to, to other false gods. So that's the first three chapters is laying out that living object lesson. Then in chapter four, it shifts into this courtroom scene. And chapters four and five are God bringing charges against the nation of Israel. Here is where you have fallen short. And so last week, we saw just the the emphasis on a defiant heart, that the nation was having a heart that's defiant and that the, the only solution for a defiant heart is a divine rebuke. And so we saw all of that last week. We're gonna start where we ended last week because it leads us right into what we're gonna look at today. So, Actually, we're in Hosea 5, verse 14, leading up to chapter 6. God says, I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will carry off and no one shall rescue. So this picture of this lion and then verse 15. So that, and that picture is God using a, uh, using Assyria, using a nearby nation to come in and bring war and to bring judgment on them. And then verse 15, God says, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. So this is the lion returning back to his den. And he says, until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face and in their distress, earnestly seek me. God the lion brings judgment, and then he withdraws into his den, and he's going to wait and see what his people will do. Now, as we enter into chapter 6, there's this change in tone. And so I want you to just picture Hosea pleading with his peers here. Chapter 6, verse 1, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Let us know. 
Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Hosea says, let us know the Lord. He doesn't say, let us know about the Lord. He says, let us know the Lord. So I know a little bit about Abraham Lincoln. I know about Lincoln. I know that he was, he was a president of the United States. I know that his face is on some denomination of money, maybe $5, is that right? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, wow, so I don't know as much as I'd like to know. His birthday was on February 12th. I know that he was president during the Civil War, and if you pressed me, I could probably tell you the years that he was president, because I do know the years of the Civil War. So I know about Lincoln, but I, I don't know Lincoln, right? I, I don't know him personally. So we're, we're really good in our Western culture about knowing about things. We kind of know about things from a distance, but Hosea is talking about knowing God up close and, and personal. So the, the Hebrew word here is yada. Pastor Steve talked about this a few weeks ago. The, the word yada is about a personal knowledge of someone. It's the word that's used in Genesis 4 when Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived. So it's that kind of close knowing. And Hosea has already made it clear how important this is to God. I'll show you several times that he mentions it in, uh, throughout the book here. Hosea 2.20, God says, I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Same word again. Hosea 4.1, this is the charge uh, in the courtroom. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. There, and then Hosea 5.4 that we saw last week, their deeds do not permit them to return to their God, for the spirit of whoredom is within them, and they know not the Lord. And so Hosea says in chapter 6, verse 3, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. And we could say it this way, let's pursue knowing God, not just knowing about God. The, the, the Hebrew that's translated here, press on in verse 3, is usually translated pursue. And so we're, we are to pursue not being more religious, not even getting our, our act together. We are to pursue knowing the Lord as though we're chasing him. I mean, picture that you're trying to chase him down and, and pursue him. Think about it this way. Let's say that you have the opportunity some afternoon, some warm afternoon that is not today and not, not right now, but some warm afternoon, you're going to play with a, a young child in your backyard. So this is your, your own child, or this is uh, a, a niece or a nephew or a grandchild. And so you're going to go out in the backyard and you're going to hang out for a while. And 
you're out there enjoying the time, and then you you say, I wanna, I'm gonna go in and get a glass of water, and you run in the house, and as quick as you go in the house and come back, the child's gone. Now, with what kind of intensity are you gonna go after that child? I mean, I dare say that you're, you're gonna be, wow, like you're gonna be all over that and you're gonna be running after that child. And so when, when Hosea tells us to press on to know the Lord, that's the kind of intensity that, that we need to be pursuing the Lord with. At the moment, in where we are in chapter six, God is not to be found. I mean, we, we just saw the, the lion returning to his den. Earlier in chapter five, if we go back to verse six, he says, with their flocks and herds, they will go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him because he has withdrawn from them. So sometimes God withdraws, particularly when, when people are running away from him, when they are defiant against him, sometimes God withdraws to see if anybody's gonna pursue. He, he withdraws to see if we think he is worth us going after him. Sometimes we don't want to. Sometimes we're so distracted with things in, in our lives, busyness, other, other pursuits. Sometimes we don't want to. And at those moments, it's a good idea to just pray for the want to, pray for the desire. That's okay. God, I don't have the desire to pursue you right now. Would you give me that desire? Sometimes I think we, we think that we already know enough about God. We're kind of like, yeah, I, I kind of know God pretty well. I don't, I don't really feel like I need to put much effort into this. Here's what I can tell you for sure is that the God who created all of the universe, who has seen all of history and all of the future, there, there's something that you and I in our finiteness, our finite existence, there's something that we don't know yet about God, that we can ask him to show us more. So we want to pursue knowing God. And I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to skip over verse two here. Let's first read verse two again. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. So, for Hosea and his listeners, when, when they heard after two days he'll revive us and on the third day he'll raise us up, when they heard that, they were thinking, oh, it's going to happen soon because that was just kind of the way their, their idioms worked. But probably Hosea is writing here about more than he himself knew, right? Because Jesus said this to his disciples after his resurrection, and he predicted this before his resurrection. But in Luke 24, Jesus said, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Let me pause there for a second because um, I love this scene. This, this is a scene where Jesus appears to his disciples in, in Luke. And he opened their minds. It, it says this several times in, in Luke that Jesus is opening people's minds to understand 
And I, I love this because, um, well, first of all, it's sobering because what it tells me is that I can't understand the scriptures and I can't understand God by myself. I need God to open my mind to understand it. So the, the thing that's encouraging about this is that we can ask God to open our minds. We can ask God to open the minds of other, other people that we care about, that we want to understand who God is, to understand the scripture. So I just, I think this is really beautiful. So he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So there's that third day, and that he will raise us up. And then we see this in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul, Paul speaking to the Ephesians and to us, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, but God... <laughs> being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And so we read way back in Hosea chapter 6, verse 3, after two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. And then verse three, let us know, let us press on, let us pursue knowing the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. So remember, he's been hiding, he's withdrawn himself. Last time we saw him, he was, he was back in his den, but his going out is as sure as the dawn, and he will come to us as the showers as the spring rains that water the earth. So the showers that are needed to cause food to grow, to sustain them, God is, he's, he is our sustainer. He is our reviver. This is what Hosea tells us. God is longing to bless us with those things. So that was a brief positive interlude in Hosea, is his call to repentance, and now it's back to the current reality of ongoing defiance. Verse four, God says, what shall I do with you, O Ephraim? And remember, Ephraim is interchangeable with Israel. What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud like the dew that goes early away. It's just, it doesn't last. It's like a vapor. Therefore, I have hewn them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and my judgment goes forth as the light. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So, so here it is again. In verse 6, the knowledge of God. He desires knowledge of him rather than burnt offerings. Remember back in chapter 4, verse 1, God brought the charge that there is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God 
in the land. There's no knowledge of God in the land. So there isn't any, but this is what God wants. And so it's no surprise that that would be what Jesus wants. And Jesus quotes this verse, Hosea 6.6, two times in the Gospel of Matthew. We'll look at the, the first one, Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. It was interchanges like this that got Jesus killed. I mean, he, he's saying to the Pharisees, go and learn what this means. I mean, does he understand who he's talking to? I mean, the Pharisees are the teachers. And so he's like, you, you don't get it. You need to go and you need to understand what this verse means. There's another interchange later in Matthew that we won't take time to look at. But Jesus' use of this verse sheds light on what, what Hosea 6.6 6 meant to Hosea and to his, his peers. Hosea is not doing away with the sacrificial system that God had commanded. It kind of looks like that. He, he says, I, I want steadfast love. I don't want sacrifice. I want the knowledge of God. I don't want burnt offerings. It sounds like Hosea is setting aside what God had commanded, which is that you are to, to bring an animal because the, the shedding of blood was necessary for the forgiveness of sins. And those sacrifices were, were pictures of what was to come in Jesus' final sacrifice. And so it kind of sounds like Hosea is setting all of that aside, but that's, that's not his intent here. He's saying that God is more interested in your heart than he is in your religious habits. So I suspect there's probably somebody online or somebody in the room that, that needs to, to understand that this morning. It is possible to perform the right religious actions, but your heart is far from, from God, far from pursuing him. See, God wants us to cultivate the right heart he wants us to yada him. I'm, I'm going to let you read the rest of Hosea 6 because what I want to do for the rest of our time here this morning is to talk about how do we know God? How do we pursue? What does it look like? How do we yada him? Because we want to pursue knowing God, not just knowing God about God. Well, how do we get to know another person? I'll just suggest three important elements, intentionality and time and vulnerability. 
they'll talk about each, each one of those. Um, getting to know God takes intentionality. So it doesn't, it's not gonna happen by accident. I, I dare say you have a lot of acquaintances in your life. Okay, your heater repairman is an acquaintance. Um, some of your neighbors are acquaintances. Um, the, the person at the coffee place where you, you get your coffee, they're, they're acquaintances. We have lots of acquaintances. Most of those happen by accident. But you don't become, if you think about your closest friends, you, you don't become close friends with someone by accident, right? That takes a lot of intentionality. It takes a lot of focus on the other person. So imagine that you are going out to lunch with someone to get to know them better. And so as you're sitting there having your lunch, they're pulling out their, their phone and checking it like every couple of minutes. And there's phone calls and there's texts coming in and they're just you know, totally on that. I mean, I'm saying imagine that, but some of you have probably experienced that. Some of you have probably experienced that at your dinner table, right? You're sitting there and somebody's just, they're, they're sitting there, physic, they're physically present, but they're, they're not really there because they're totally absorbed in, in their phone. That, that's not going to cultivate closeness with another person. We have to set that aside and, and to focus. So, so what does that look like with God? Well, it looks like setting aside some amount of time in your day, whether that's in the, in the morning or in the evening. For me, it's, it's morning because I'm more of a morning person. I'm more alert in the morning. And by the time I get to the end of my day, if I'm going to stop and have like quiet time, it's going to become very quiet, very fast. And, you know, so whatever time of day works for you, but to set aside time to say this, this is for God and and I'm not going to be on my phone during this time. Maybe you're using and, you know, reading the Bible app on your phone or you're utilizing something like that, but you're not checking your email. You're not responding to text. I have to really discipline myself on this because uh, texts will start coming to me in the morning and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, and I want to start responding to them. No, this is, this is focused time with, with the Lord. Um, maybe another, another thought besides setting aside and, and just carving out time where you're just totally present with the Lord. And God, what do you want to say to me? And you're spending time looking at what he has said to you in, in his word, talking to him about the people that you care about in, in prayer, worshiping. So we're, we're cultivating that time. And then maybe you set a timer that throughout the day, maybe there are different points in the day where you just, you just stop in the midst of the busyness of your day and, and stop to remind yourself of a verse that you read or stop to just say, God, just thank you for what's going on in my life right now and just tick off like five things that you can be thankful for. And yeah, I know there's 20 things that you could complain about, but what are the five things that you can just thank the Lord for? And just be cultivating that as part of your, your life and part of your, your day. I, I love this quote that I heard. Um, this came back from uh, winter camp that the youth were on. 
the last couple of, of weeks, but the speaker said this, do a little a lot rather than doing a lot a little. That's pretty good, right? So whatever you decide to do to invest intentionally in your relationship with the Lord, don't, don't make it overwhelming. Don't pick 20 things to do. Don't, don't say, I'm gonna spend, you know, two hours with God in the morning. I mean, make, even if it's like 15 minutes, do a little, a lot. Better that you have 15 minutes of, of really focused time with the Lord in the morning um, over every day this year than that you say, I'm gonna do two hours and then you get defeated and you're like, ah, just it petered out after a week. So it takes intentionality. Secondly, it takes time. So we, we don't become closer to another person by proxy. We can't delegate that. It's gonna take time from our own life and our own schedule. Nobody else can do it for you. So Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. That, that no is the same word that Hosea is using here when he says, let us press on, let us pursue knowing the Lord. So be still and know. So there's a pursuing of knowing the Lord, and then there's a be, being still and knowing the Lord, being quiet and, and listening for what he has to say. Sometimes we're so busy like doing stuff and doing tasks, even in our relationship with the Lord, we just need to stop. And be still, God, what do you have for me? Some of you may be familiar with uh, John Ortberg. He's an, an author, um, former pastor. And uh, I, I, was, I remember something that I read from him where he had moved to Chicago, was in just like a really busy period of his life. And he, he reached out to a mentor and said, um, I, my life's going crazy. What can you tell me about how to, uh, how to be healthy spiritually? And so his mentor said just one thing to him. He said, you, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And so Ortberg was like, he was like, okay, I got that down. Now what else? What else do you have for me? You know? And he's like, there isn't anything else. Like you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And so when we do that, when we stop rushing around, we're creating space for God to, to fill us. That's what he wants to do, is to fill us, fill our days. One, one very practical thing that happens for me in this regard is um, every now and then, my wonderful wife, Sherry, will say, can we look at your schedule? She usually doesn't say it that way. She's like, let's look at your schedule. And so, and so we'll sit down and uh, she'll say, let me help you figure out what could be postponed, you know, what could be taken off of your schedule. And it's been so helpful. And even if it's, even if we take one thing off, it's like, oh, it just, you know, frees me. It's like there's this space there. So that might be a good practice uh, for some of you. Third thing, so it takes intentionality, it takes time, it takes vulnerability. So you can't cultivate closeness with someone by a facade. That's what, what, that's what Jesus was calling out 
in the Pharisees over and over again, just their two-facedness, their hypocrisy. That may work. You may be able to be two-faced with some people. That it won't work with God. He, he knows you too well. So just, you know, it takes a lot of effort. Just give it up and just come to the Lord as you are, warts and all, struggles and all. He, he knows them. He just, he wants to, to be with you. He loves you exactly the way you are. And, and here's the beautiful thing. I mean, bring, bring him even your, your failures and your sins. I mean, Jesus, Jesus washes those away. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That, that happens in that space as we're spending time with, with him. Another thing that I find really helpful in this regard of vulnerability is just to journal. So I, most of my journaling is prayers, and I'm just talking to the Lord about whatever is going on in my life, whatever I'm, I'm struggling with. And it's, it's helpful to me. I know it's, some people don't really get into journaling. For me, um, I, I tend to be a verbal processor. So if I just had God there every day and I could just kind of verbally process, that's, that's my verbal process. Uh, processing is, is by doing journaling. So in the words of Hosea, chapter 6, verse 3, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. And in the words of Paul, I'm going to have you turn to, to the New Testament to, to close out here this morning. Turn to Philippians chapter 3, because there's a, there's a fun passage here that uh, is very similar in, in some ways to what we've been looking at in Hosea, there's some key terms that show up here as well. Now, the, now, Philippians and all of the New Testament was written in Greek. And so Hosea and most of the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, were written in Hebrew. So these are not the same words, but Paul would have had these words in mind as he's writing this, Philippians 3. Chapter 7, verse 14. Now, I'm going to pause when we get to some of these key terms. I'm going to ask you to, to help me with these terms because I just want to be sure that you're, you're seeing them along with me. Verse 7. But whatever gain I had, Paul says, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that sounds like Romans, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may... No, good job, him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on, that sounds familiar, to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I 
toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. (laughs) So far in Hosea, God has been focused on stopping worship of false gods. Now, chapter 6 calls us to know the true God. He says, let's pursue knowing God, not just knowing about God. So I'll leave you with this question. What step will you take? What step will you choose to take this week to pursue knowing God better? Will it be something around intentionality? Does it need to be something around time? Maybe you're not really devoting any kind of uh, quality time to spend with, with God? Or would it be vulnerability? Do you just like, need to get to a new level of being more real with God? I encourage you to, to just reflect on that for a moment. We'll just all close our eyes, or if you're jotting a note, that's fine as well. And I want to just give you a quiet moment uh, with the Lord to reflect on that And then I will pray and we will sing our way out of here. Lord, this morning we have heard your call to repentance. We've we've heard your call to return to you, that you may bind us up. We, We have recognized and we've heard that you are the one who revives us and breathes life into us anew. And you've called us to to know you, to pursue knowing you like we would chase a child who has, has gotten lost. Lord, give us a, a heart of intensity. Lord, for, for some of us here today, we, we don't really have a heart to pursue you. We're, we're kind of lukewarm, maybe even cold. And so, Lord, we... For, for those in that situation, Lord, we just want to pray. Would you, would you just give us the desire to pursue you? It's not there. Would you, would you put it there and, and fire, fan that flame? Lord, for someone who's here today that's just kind of gotten bored, that they, they've kind of think, yeah, I kind of know what I need to know about God, and I'm just not really pursuing, I, I, don't, I don't really feel a need to pursue further. Lord, would you implant the prayer in that heart to say, God, show me more. Open up my eyes to see more of you than what I have, have known. Lord, may we be a a people who are pursuing you so that we are are fired up about how amazing and grace-filled and beautiful you you are, that, that we might become more and more of a light, that we might shine a light more and more brightly in a world that is not pursuing you, that is running away from you, 
But Lord, may we live in such a way that we might have the opportunity to, to help them come to know you and to pursue you as well. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.